All right, hello everyone. Uh, we, uh, Becky and I are doing lunch with Lindsay again today. Um, today is Juneteenth and yeah, Becky and I just, it's been like maybe almost two weeks since we last did a, a lunch with Lindsay. The last one we did was where I invited my friend Jamila to join us in conversation about all the craziness that is in this country and this world. Um, and it was such a good conversation that in some ways I almost felt like I was good for a while. Like I thought, wow, like we covered a lot of ground. And then, I mean, and I think the other piece too is just, wow, there's just also been so much to process in our personal lives and then also at our jobs. Um, yes. how, how are you doing, Becky? Um, Doing well, grades are submitted. Um, I'm still waiting on a couple of kids to finish up some things. So I'm not technically on summer break yet. I'm also finishing up some things for my teacher certification process, which has been a headache. Um, but I'm very happy that New Hampshire has like alternative tracks. So you don't have to start out with a bachelor's in education. So I'm taking some courses and, and putting together a portfolio, just kind of all of those things. Um, but yeah, I spent today pulling weeds. I'm hoping I didn't touch any poison ivy with my bare skin, but time will tell. If I start itching during this call, then I think unfortunately I must have touched it. But um, yeah, besides that, I think things are going well over here. Yeah, I would say on my end, because you, you know, something that like that Jamila kept emphasizing is just this whole like going beyond the individual acts, right? Um, like, mm -hmm. I mean, I do think it's good that people are individually trying to figure out, oh, you know, what should I do about all this like racial tension and, and injustice um, that's really been going on for centuries, right? Um, and then there, the conversation, you know, we were pushing it more toward institutional and systemic change. Um, you know, since then, I have, you know, because we talked about this in the past, it's like, okay, you could go donate to this or that organization. Like my friend, um, her birthday is this month. So this, and she does this every year where she has some type of nonprofit that she wants people to donate to. So that's such but, a but, great idea. But, yeah. And this friend this year, and again, she's a woman who's always been paying attention to different issues like this. She focused on, you know, a, a, a nonprofit that works with black trans uh people and mm -hmm. so and again that honestly i would have seen her do that regardless i don't, she she is a black woman she didn't need like recent events to be like oh i should pay attention yeah. and so you know i did that but i kept thinking okay you know beyond that because i'm not as much as i would love to be a philanthropist this is about more than philanthropy i also mm -hmm. do not have the income and assets of a philanthropist and so if only yeah if, if only that were my problem right now but um but then i it's also realizing that you know i think we talked about this where you jamila and i all, all realize like oh we've all studied international studies um but then i also think about you know even though a lot of my work and my volunteer work has been around global issues, how could I also focus more locally? So, um, no, I have, you know, in, in this last week, um, gone to a local community, like it was like a, a be the change meeting being run by four out of the nine council members in my town. Um, cool. and I, yeah, it was, I mean, obviously a lot of it was, um, 
you know, brought on by recent incidents regarding race, but I think it was for them, for, for like the, the council members who opted into it as well as the, um, you know, residents of the town to just share their general experiences with equity. So some people, you know, brought up, you know, interactions with the police, education, you know, what holidays are recognized. Um, people have strong feelings about uh, a local Native American mascot. <laughs> and so that, you know, that was a few nights ago. And yeah. I think it's interesting. I've lived in this town five years, like more than five years now, more like five, get, we're getting to five and a half. And I hadn't, you know, aside from certain issues like construction that had really angered me in the past I hadn't been um and you went to the M MBTA meeting right you yeah, did yeah. you went to those yeah so like if there were if if I wasn't a fan of like say how they were approaching construction of, of the local transportation you know I would go to those but you know other than those meetings I haven't engaged too deeply um with like local government here so there I I did that and then also Again, I think there's some local groups that are really building within the last few weeks. And it's it's just interesting because I think people are getting a sense that, oh, we need to do something beyond individual acts. How mm -hmm. do we come together as a community? How do we come together as a society? And when people ask me, oh, what, what was discussed in that meeting? What came out of it? And it's, I just don't think it's always easy right away to state what the outcomes are because a lot of this is still so exploratory and then you know fast forward to today part of the reason so you know becky and i were supposed to meet at noon but then I, it went a few minutes over because i attended not all but like most like i would say of a one hour of a one hour event at my workplace i because you know I, I had a previous meeting that kept me a little late but um i i spent like about 45 minutes of an hour-long session just in, in um well not really speaking but listening um to a community discussion about mm -hmm. juneteenth like i think some of it was you know leaders at, at the organization providing information but then also trying solicit feedback on how do we move forward as an as an institution as an employer so wasn't an outside organization that came to do the presentation or was it organic from within your institution it's organic so you know so for people who aren't as familiar with me i work at a university and but you know i think whether you work at a university at, or not i think a lot of a lot of large companies will have some version of a diversity equity and an inclusion office um, this and, always makes whenever i think about these things i think about the episode of the office um diversity day it's one of the early episodes oh, when you're talking about if yep. anyone hasn't seen that episode it is fantastic so definitely worth a look no, it is. Yeah, that's one of those episodes that I knew about even before I started watching The Office because people like to talk about it. But um, yeah, I mean, I could tell you that, um, you know, so I think it, it's, well, again, because I'm at a university, it was, you know, it gets moderated by, well, by a few different people, people from that office that work with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And mm -hmm. then also, um, you know, certain faculty members and other staff you know deans other staff members who might you know i think different leaders um are the president-elect they were invited to also share some of their comments and again it wasn't necessarily because people had these cooked up presentations but it yeah was just, i was wondering is it like researchers presenting any of their findings or people just i 
I think it was, be, it's being approached <laughs> as a dialogue, right? Okay. So, so, you know, when I was looking at my Zoom session, there were like four pages worth of people, staff wow. and faculty, uh, and, you know, most of them have their cameras turned off, right? But they're yeah. really just like, you know, for one hour, like, you know, and people ca came and went maybe depending on their work schedules, but, you know, just really like listening to, you, you know, it, it was more that certain, like, you could tell different speakers might have had different um, short speeches, but it was also, you know, questions to prompt, like, um, you know, prompt like the leaders who were present to share some of their insights into what what comes next but then it's not also just high level you know leaders i i do think there were chances where other staff members if they wanted to could provide feedback and it wasn't always going to be just because of how large the session was it wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. going to be oh that someone like say myself was going to speak um you know i think when they were inviting more people to answer a question it was oh like you know utilizing the chat box um mm -hmm. you know the idea is that you know when they were asking questions about what it means to move next with like anti-racism with equity um people could provide those answers in the chat box they would like collect that feedback and then you know again i think it's figuring out um who's who you know obviously the the, the diversity equity and, and inclusion leads that but they it's it can't all come from them so i'm also curious to see who will be there who you know how do they then uh, like partner with other offices um and yeah. and so yeah i mean and it's not just and again I, it's not just because oh i work at a university um i actually this morning i got like an e uh, text i'm reading it now from a friend who who works um she's in the corporate world um uh she and she says she's in in retail um and she said our company is recognizing juneteenth today in a meeting now about it and then you know before i met with you i just thought okay that's interesting i wonder what did they do and it looks like you know recently i see um i'm trying to see the screenshot of what she sent me because i don't want to necessarily share anything that might be confidential well it's like yeah okay so it's like a an e like I'll, I'll 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 rephrase it i'm not necessarily going to read things verbatim but um it's like dear like you know i guess it's it's addressing certain leaders oh and again it's coming from the dni office um so over the you know, you know it's about hearing how how across the organization more people like more people have been saying they want to learn about the black experience um and <laughs> i don't know why i said it with that tone um but then okay it's acknowledging that today is juneteenth and asking that i guess these leaders schedule um a minimum of 15 minutes with your teams to engage and recognize this holiday and then I guess there's a toolkit, but of course I don't have access to it because this is a screenshot. Here's yeah, yeah, a yeah. toolkit to help guide your conversations. Oh, this is so basically they curated some things, sent them out to managers, and said, "15 minutes today, I want you guys to talk minimum. with your, your teams." Minimum. Wait, hold on. Okay, so at least it was a minimum, not a maximum. Okay. Additionally, okay. Oh, identify colleagues to read. Oh, there. I guess there. There must be poems in it. Well, that's cool. We have also provided recommended readings for adults. Look, if I'm laughing, it's just because I can't believe 
all this stuff has to happen for us to recognize Juneteenth. Um, we have also provided, oh, so there's just readings for adults, children. Um, they're recognizing how different people's schedules are today. You know, obviously leaving things at certain pe at different leaders' discretion. Like, how do you do this in a way that makes sense? Mm -hmm. And it's like, thank you. Um, um, so, so yeah, I'm hearing that the meeting this person was in is like a, a this per my friend is calling it a mini history lesson. Um, so I'm wondering if they gave the managers any training or if there was a meeting of the managers to prep them because like, I know that I tried to like awkwardly lead a group of middle schoolers through trying to understand socioeconomic inequality and the intergenerational transfer of poverty. And I, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't know how to talk about this as a teacher and as a facilitator. And I just kept tripping over all of my words. And I'm like, okay, end of lesson. And we just kind of moved on. Um, I, I, it sounds to me like it's like, you know, because again, this is a huge corporation. It sounds to me, and I'd have to ask my friend for clarification. It's like, here, please have a discussion about this for at least 15 minutes. Um, here is a toolkit, and I don't know how, ex you know, again, since I'm seeing a screenshot, I don't know how extensive the toolkit is. I liked is. the poem thing, though. That's a really, like, authentic art is so useful in helping to facilitate discussion. So I'm glad that they included that, because that's, like, better than a so, TED Talk. So in my friend's text, there was a comment about how it was a little weird, and I think for me, if, um, because could you, I, I think it then could also just be about like, how is something rolled out, right? Like, you know, yeah. if, you know, if, for example, when we were talking with Jamila, was it last week? Um, that is someone, as you could tell, who's very used to thinking and talking about these things. Mm -hmm. So that wouldn't have, you know, been weird if like, say she were a team leader. Um, I think then it also becomes like, who is the person who's facilitating this? Is this something that they have traditionally thought about? Because if not, then I mean, you know, like anything else, like, you know, that like with people in their current jobs across different industries, you were hired for that job for a certain expertise that probably relates to the industry. Um, you know, for if 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 you are in the corporate retail world, your expertise is there, and who knows, maybe personally you may have this expertise in on Juneteenth and other related areas. But um, yeah, I mean, I think my friend, and you know, there's this acknowledgement of like, okay, we're trying, we're trying, um, you know, and but yeah, what does that look? I mean, sorry, my nose is so itchy, but like, what does allergy that season. look like? Yeah. Well. I think this kind of also goes back to something we touched on right before we hit record. I didn't even know what Juneteenth was till last year when I started seeing it on Instagram feeds. And then I Googled it because I didn't know what it was. And I was like, oh, how come I've never heard of this? Or if I did hear about it, how come it didn't stick in my brain as something important? So that was how I learned about Juneteenth. How did you learn about Juneteenth? Did you learn about it in school? No. So, okay. Let me give you a little bit of background. So I grew up pre-K. I went to a Lutheran school, K through eight. I went to the same Christian school. Um, I, if you ask me, what did I learn about history? 
through my K through eight years, I mean, it's so, that's a blur to me, quite frankly, but I do, I mean, and this isn't no so, so much related to Juneteenth, but I, I remember being fed the version of how the pilgrims and Indians, quote unquote, you know, like befriended each other, which you and I know is like false. And then of course, my high school teacher, one of my high school history teachers had to, um, you know, Kill, kill whatever that image was for myself and other people in my class. And by the way, when I was in high school, I was on the accelerated and, and AP track. So, you know, freshman year, I was like in an accelerated world cultures class, AP European history. Please do not ask me about AP European history. It <laughs> again was a blur. Um, Lots of kings and queens. Then AP AP U.S. History junior year, then AP government senior year. So with AP U.S. History, I do remember just that idea of, like, we really glossed over, like, if we're talking about, you know, the history of, like, different, like, marginalized and minoritized groups. I remember we, we more or less glossed over Native American history, and that's actually what I was excited about, or in one of the areas I was interested in, and the rationale was like, okay, well, on the AP test, that isn't really covered, so why should we focus on it? Because again, it's teaching to the test, and then um, I actually remember being in that class, being the most fascinated with the civil rights era, but then I want to say, I think I remember, again, because the teacher was focusing on the AP history class or mm -hmm. the AP history test, the focus then became on, I remember when we talked about the era, era, I remember this in my notebook, I had to write on the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was like very bam, 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 all in one day. Be, and, you know, usually our teacher tried to engage us in more discussion. It's funny, like, she engaged us in discussion about the eras that I did not care as much about but her rationale for like focusing on those earlier eras was because that's what the AP US yep. history test found important. And then I remember the same thing for my teacher certification test in oh. history. So when I took the MTEL for history in Massachusetts, there were, I think maybe three or four questions about Native American peoples. And all it was, was like geography, like where did most of this tribe live? And then what did their houses look like? Like, I remember I had to remember like who had wigwams and who was in like rock structures. That was like the depth to which I needed. Oh, and who allied with who, or who aligned with who? So like the Iroquois, who did they out align with? And who did the Hudson River people? It, that was on the test. Most no. of it, though, was this European history stuff. There was some, like, Asian history, and, uh, like, I don't but, think there's anything about Asia? African history. I want to know what part of Asia, because it's probably not the part of Asia my family comes from. <laughs> so I needed to know the different uh, Chinese dynasties. That was important. Asian. I knew Chinese would be in there, right? Yeah, and I think there was a little bit about, like, the Pacific Wars but I don't remember okay. any. There may have been a couple of things about, like there were questions about like, um, what's the dominant religion of this country and stuff like that. But it, the, the, I was very nervous about there being a chunk of early American history because there was like, it was part of the explanation, like this will be covered. And then when I looked at the study guide, I'm like, 
oh, this is like, what kind of house do they have? What area of the country? Like that wasn't scary, but I thought it was going to get into like, you know, the leaders of the different groups and the uprisings. And so that's what I was going to prepare for. And I'm like, oh, house. Okay. Very basic physical history. We're not going to get any, any real impactful history. Who, who needs to learn about the social history? But no, I mean, I, I do remember when I was talking to one of my freshman year college roommates, we were, I mean, cause I think, um, like, I, yeah, I just, I think we were talking about a class she was in. She might've been a poli sci major at the time. And we, we just had a discussion one night about how yeah, like when I think about what I was taught in high school, like I actually, we really went so quickly over recent history. And she was saying like, you know, gosh, like that's probably the stuff that impacts us more now or like would explain so much more now, right? Yeah. Um, not to say that that it's definitely always more important than what came earlier, but you kind of have to know what happened in between way early and like to the present to know how those things unfolded. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, I think about the class I was in and, you know, so many of those people in the class went on to like, you know, really like well-respected and even some really prestigious universities. And they're the people who are going to be, you know, myself included, we get considered like, oh, well-educated, well-educated, well-educated. If we're all so well-educated, then why, you know, does it have to then take so long to learn something like Juneteenth? So you wanted to know how I found out about Juneteenth. Yes. And I think it was on Facebook years ago. I would have already been in my 30s by this point. Um, I've been a huge fan of Usher since since um, he got really big in the 90s. And so um, he was wearing a Juneteenth shirt in a photo. And I just thought, man, like, what's that about? Because if Usher cares, I should know too. Um, and that's how I, I learned about what Juneteenth wow. was. And then I started to notice more when other people on social media and my friend networks were talking about Juneteenth. It's like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. But it had to take, like, some, it had to take basically my ch childhood celebrity crush um, yep. acknowledging ch Juneteenth for me to know about it. Um, yeah. and that's why it's important yeah. for everyone to use their platforms because Usher has one heck of a platform and I'm sure you're not the only Usher fan who looked up Juneteenth because of that shirt. Well, I mean, hey, he, he did a service that I did not, he provided an educational service that no one in my, she's like, actually, I was going to say K-12, but if you think about it, I was in school from pre-kindergarten pre to the senior year of my college years, you know, even after that, like I took a break from school, took a couple classes at a local university. And then, you know, I went on to get a master's program. I, I, went, I went on to get a master's degree in higher education. And, you know, I was someone who was mindful about taking classes where I got to learn about like, you know, more racial ethnic immigration history in the US. Mm -hmm. No one, no one's ever mentioned Juneteenth, you know? Um, and I, you know, I feel like it's something I, where I would have paid attention. So yeah. so yeah, just think about it. We, like if people are like, and, and, and I think for the people who knew about it from a young age, it probably wasn't through their formal schooling. It, it probably was through informal education.
And so this brings up a point that, again, this is a safe space and we're modeling having these awkward conversations. So anyone watching that goes, oh my God, but I'm, I, these, these are honest questions that I have as someone who is not well-versed in this stuff at all. Um, if I, as a white person, want to celebrate Juneteenth, because that's what I'm hearing, like go celebrate June, Juneteenth by like, buying books written by black authors or donating money to black organizations and things like that. Is there any way that I can like publicly announce it? Like if I would put out a Juneteenth flag, like, is that a thing that happens to raise awareness? Like we do this for other types of events. Like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if like all across America, we all physically celebrated in some way I don't I don't know but is that something that's done I mean or could be done or is it in really bad taste I don't know I I will not speak as an authority like that's the thing about these conversations they're candid and when I don't know I will say I don't know I mean I I could only say like okay for example like you know like I don't know like if like okay this is a weird year weird understatement i think because of the events of recent weeks i think what it means to celebrate juneteenth might feel weird for people because it's like oh crap this was a holiday that either i just learned about and now i am being asked to celebrate it in a in a corporate meeting or um or acknowledge it i think might be a better word sometimes um or even like for someone like myself like who may have known about it for quite a few years i mean i think it like in the past it's like okay here i'm gonna share this article or this usher photo or yeah but you know for me it also just felt like beyond that i I, there was never a social context. I, I do know though that like, you know, cause I was on the, I was, I've been on mailing lists for museums. So I know in the past, like for a couple of the museums I've been on, they may acknowledge Juneteenth, but for one reason mm -hmm. or another, I didn't attend the event, you know, um, who knows? Um, but yeah, I just, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about. Like it's a holiday. It's a very, very, very important historical moment in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and we celebrate other important monumental things. But I mean, like, for example, like Labor Day, like World Labor Day. I'm talking about May 5th, not, or May 2nd, or May 1st. When is it? It's May 1st? Wait, I think Labor it's May 1st. No, no, no. Memorial Day. And then there's Labor Day at the beginning of September. Well, I'm talking about the International Labor Day. Oh, you know how the U.S. doesn't so celebrate Labor Day with the rest of the world? It's like May 1st or something it, like that. Usually, International Workers' Day. That's usually when they do, like, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's one of those days. But, like, the way that you, you, you celebrate is just being very mindful of, of workers' rights and all of that. So I feel like that makes more sense. But it's like, I, I don't know. I would just a random thing and then I found out there was a flag and I'm like huh if I hang a flag is that weird and tacky it it look it, it feels performative so I don't like the idea but I'm just like I don't know I it's something I've been thinking about so if you know like leave a comment and so is oh, it inappropriate I don't know 
So no, I do appreciate the question. What you said actually reminds me of something I shared on Facebook on Monday. Um, like to like, cause I saw someone else had shared it and I just thought it was interesting. So I guess, um, you know, like the, it's basically a screenshot of someone's Facebook, mm -hmm. um, Facebook text. And then like it was shared by someone who shared, you know, so, so I don't actually yeah. know who this person is, but the name of it was from someone named Victor Neal. And, and so this is how it goes. It, so it's like, um, so it's like us, you know, Hey, could the, uh, so I think us though in this context might relate to like black people, right? So okay. so it goes us. And hey, could the police just treat us better? And then and then here are the different and then I'm gonna read off the different responses from different um parties in society. So ABC, black bachelor, and then black is in all caps in this. Um the next line is Starbucks, black it up, baristas. Um and yeah, I basically, saw basically okay. referencing what's happened in the past few weeks when, well, yeah, we already know what happened. So Netflix, watch all these movies and shows now. And then the now is in all caps and there are a couple exclamation marks after it. Then Hulu goes, or else, exclamation mark. Then Band-Aid goes, we got y'all boo-boos fam. And then... TV like goes all the cop shows canceled that's all in in capital capital letters um city so I guess this could relate to cities across the country or the world mm -hmm. let's paint this road y'all so you know in reference to all the know, yep all the like black murals murals not um, murals, like ground murals. Yeah, uh, yeah, on the streets, like in DC and yeah. cities. Street murals. That's probably what yeah, they're called. Murals. Yep. And then CEOs, listen, y'all, take Juneteenth off. That's on us. And then the last line is from us. So in this case, us is talking about black people. It goes, uh, okay, but um, the police. So that, um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, so, so yeah, I mean, yes, we're talking, it's Juneteenth now, we're talking about Juneteenth, but then when I look, the issues are still there. Look at that. I mean, it could, I don't know, is it a both and thing? Like, okay, yay, people yeah. are finally getting, you know, as my friend called it, a mini history lesson on, like, on stuff that we apparently didn't get, Yeah. you know, growing up because, Again, you know, I also bring up the fact that I was in AP US history, not because, oh my gosh, I love that class, but if that's how people who are considered on the fast track, the edu the like highly educated college mm -hmm. track of education are being, are being taught, then yeah. what does it mean to be well-educated here? That actually brings up a really good point in an area that I could have an impact is thinking about our AP Spanish curriculum or the Spanish curriculum as a whole. I'm thinking about ways of incorporating more authentic Black voices from across Latin America and Spain into, um, and Latinos as well, um, into the curriculum and more authentic everything just to, I didn't do a whole lot of that last year, which I felt kind of bad about not bringing in like poems and things like that. 
But I'm wondering what our actual AP curriculum is and how much of the AP test for Spanish um, takes into account additional stories. Like I'm assuming the majority of it is like Latin American, Native American. So it's going to be the Aztecs and the Incas and the Mayas. And then there's going to be a ton about all the stuff in Spain and and by all the stuff, mostly the kings and queens, and then probably Franco. And then I don't really know what else it covers. But it's also, to your point about authenticity, how do you make whatever is done, like, feel like it fits, right? Like, if you think about what I just read off as being, like, somebody's, you know, Facebook post, it's pretty much like, okay, I get that you're trying, but did it, is it feels forced but like oh you you it's like you know especially with the band-aid thing it kind of is like I don't know I don't know how I feel about a time in which you know black people are you know being murdered it's making the news more so now because we, we live in an age where there's more documentation of it um it's yeah. not like it's suddenly increased um and but it's like oh here it's it's like literally a it keeps but now coming it's back in different yeah. colors <laughs> did you watch the um um dave chappelle's yeah. special 846 yep holy mic drop and the thing is i watched one of his snl monologues from a couple years ago yeah and i'm like he's so right like his entire monologue was about the same issues it, it he in 846 he was just like i've been saying this stuff forever it's just that y'all aren't listening i'm like yeah or you know even because yeah if you if you look at like dave chappelle's work other comedian other black comedians um even um you know like you know a show that i've watched in the past few years is atlanta and i just actually picked it up because i think it's one of those shows that I was watching for like a year or so and then I, I kind of like got distracted. And so with us all now being like socially distant, like I'm starting to pick it up more. And you know, that is a show, I mean, I think especially, you know, in light of what's like happened in the last week, you know, with these cases in, in Georgia, it's just, um, oh my it, goodness. It's, it's like but, but that, but if you watch that show, like, you see yeah. how quickly, like, um, like the whole idea of like racism, anti-blackness, it always comes up there. It always yeah. comes up and in every episode, and it's just interesting because I know people of different races who watch that show and, you know, the way, the way, you know, black people interact with the cops, it does pop up, you know, through, throughout those throughout those episodes. And then, you know, another, another like show that's popular, you know, again, focused on like the black community, but then is also, you know, I know watched by people of different races, you know, Insecure. Uh, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for people. Don't that, like, spoil it because I haven't gotten a subscription yet to watch the new season. It no, has but, to happen soon though, because it's but, so good. So that's the thing is that I'm not, but there is a certain point where, you know, there was like, something that involved the police and I just think and you know and that was like developed like way before anything happened recently but again because it's been a part of the experience for so long it's well, again it's not a shock that it's been in the art 
it's almost, you know, I think where I've been, I, I was, I was watching like a, a Trevor Noah piece recently is on like, is it like Richard, um, like I'm trying to see like what, I when can't remember exactly what his name is, but it's terrible. Um, Richard Brooks. Um, yes. And was, that was in Atlanta, right? Yeah, that, that yeah. was in Atlanta. Sorry. You were sleeping so, in the drive-through. So many stories that <laughs> they're kind of all blending at a certain point. And I Which is that. the, that's exactly the problem though, because then it becomes a faceless situation. And that's why the whole say her name, say his name, because we, it's now becoming this which black person are you talking about that got murdered recently by the cops? And that's disgusting. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And so um, now he was talking about, I guess, just like how he, you know, Trevor Noah was talking about how, okay, like there is progress being made. Like more people are reading these, like these books on anti-racism are like making it to the top of bestseller list and like you know these confederate statues are finally coming down and not just in the u.s but around the world in the uk like what mm -hmm. was it a slave trader statue came down and so i don't know i think there's just always the oh yay it's progress but it's like okay um still but not still we we need to talk yeah and Okay, so I can't remember his name, and this whole time you've been talking, I've been trying to remember his name, but I can't remember the UFC guy who has a, a really popular podcast. I am not the person to ask. Oh my gosh, what is his name? Anyway, he just recently had an episode, and he... Very problematic relationship with this podcast, but my, my, my partner loves it, and so when it's on, we listen to it, and... It's interesting for me because he has very different views than I do. Not my, my husband. I'm talking about the, the guy who runs the podcast, whose name I can't remember right now. Um, and he and Jocko, who is one of the guys that he talks with a lot on his show, who's ex-Marine, I think. He's ex-military for sure. Um, but they talked a lot about Black Lives Matter, the demonstrations, police shootings, defund the police. And I don't agree. Like there, a lot of it really got me riled up. And I just went, Becky, it's really important for you to listen to this conversation because this is what other intellectual people are talking about. Like these are the other people who are pushing these thoughts into the world. They are making the media that lots of people are listening to. And so this validates how a lot of people feel. And I don't know how a lot of other people feel about things because I also have created like a, a vortex because self-preservation. Um, but some of their arguments were very interesting, specifically around police training, specifically around the fact that police don't get regular training. And so the fight or flight thing comes into play. And when you're constantly putting yourself in situations where your life could potentially be at risk. And it was the side of the Blue Lives Matter argument that I haven't listened to because I just go, stop talking. I don't want to listen to you anymore. But I listened. Um, and I think that it was a very informative thing for me because I don't know what type of training that cops get. And um, comparing military training to cop training, all of those kinds of things. So it was an interesting listen. So I encourage you to check it out um, if you want to kind of hear kind of that other perspective. Um, There's a lot of stuff I didn't like, a lot of stuff I didn't like, and a lot of, you know, 
talking about how this is ridiculous and people are too politically sensitive and oh my god but I never thought about the very limited training police get and that's a huge issue and then their argument was if you defund the police how can we increase police training and I say you take away their tanks well because I think the idea is that then it gets reallocated to like other community services um yes or you know like for example some people have said like wellness checks does that really is that oh, yeah. going if to a cop i if i read an email from a student that gives me any impression that that student is either suicidal or in an unsafe situation i am obligated by the law i don't know if you're a mandated reporter because you're in higher ed but i'm a mandated reporter so I immediately have to follow a specific chain of command that ultimately lands with the police department. And then the police go to this student's house. So if they say something saying that they are really, really, really depressed and that they've been thinking about hurting themselves or that, you know, if any of that stuff comes out or anything that sounds potentially nerve wracking, a cop shows up at their door. Yeah. That shouldn't be a cop's job. But I understand why people think a cop should do it because what if they get into a dangerous situation and the cop will have a gun? But does it need to be a cop? I don't, I don't know because I understand that, that protection side of the argument. Should it be a cop and a social worker? But it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I, I think... Um, because didn't that, isn't that what they, well, I have this question and then I'll, I also have a more of a comment, but isn't, because they did start defunding, is it in Minnesota or specifically Minneapolis? Min right? Minneapolis, see, they, see, I'm yeah, yeah, in you Spanish. Know, I understand, <laughs> yeah. My brain. Um, yeah, they defunded the police, which I don't understand entirely. It sounds like they're undoing the entire system, um, which I think it's defund the police to the maximum. Um, but I think overall people are saying it's not, well, no, there are, there's a huge contingent of people that want to abolish the police as well. Um, but I think reallocating funds is the bigger part of the of defund the police movement. But I do believe Minneapolis actually removed their entire police force or is in the process of. Or like, um, I was just trying to look up stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so yeah, I guess I don't, like, I don't want to, like, speed it up too much, but then something that, um, yeah, I mean, it's not just there, but then I, I think also I'm seeing articles on it across the country, how they are starting to engage with that discussion. Is that an option? Uh, something, though, I also wanted to say, and I think I might have, like, shared this with you in a phone call or a text, but, you know, my sister lives in the UK and explained to me that Officers yes, there don't have guns. And so here's the thing. Some people, like a few people I know knew this. I didn't know. And I just remember when she texted that to me. I mean, because it's because look, racism is everywhere, right? Like I know people joke about moving to Canada or some other country. Racism is everywhere. Anti-blackness is in so many places. Um, but I just remember being one of my first reactions was, gosh, if they don't have a gun, then where does their authority come from? And it's like, oh wait, you know, like they're 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 actually countries that operate like this too. But you know, and it's funny, even though I'm someone who's 
tried to have a global mindset over the years, I've never thought as granularly as like, oh, like which police where have guns and for other ones that don't, like what, what do they use instead and what's their interaction like with people in general? So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, are we, like, you know, I don't know if I see right now <laughs> that like, police departments in the U.S. going to that type of, of change. Um, but it's just interesting that for me, as like, as well educated as I like to believe I am, I just never considered what the, then could that relationship look like when, when yeah. guns aren't in the picture. I, I'm not saying we should or shouldn't yeah. do that. I'm just saying. Well, in this podcast with this UFC guy, he and his, his guest, we're talking about how now that they're abolishing the police in Minneapolis, that all the gangsters are going to go there and all the law breaking people, like anyone who wants to commit a crime, that's where they're going to go. And their whole argument is now that it's, it's going to become a lawless place of violence. And I'm like, isn't it kind of already, but I, I, I don't know. Like that's the issue is that the police have such a, a bad history of violence towards people of color that we need to take down the entire system because it is a violent place for a specific group of people that continue to be targeted over and over and over. So it was just one of those arguments where I was like, but that's, I understand where you're going with this argument because it's going to get you shock value and more shares. It's a great tweet, but the ultimate thing is we're trying to change the system that is inherently violent for one group of people and we have to think out of the box and I don't I don't know how we get all of America to listen to cops that just carry a baton do they have batons in in, I, in the I UK think, I think if anything it might be a baton but even my sister told me that you know don't, in, don't. In UK, well because you know you could still be violent with a baton but not on the same level that you like, it doesn't have the same type of impact that, say, a gun would have. Or my sister also explained that in the UK, you can't have something like mace because there, it means that if you bought it, there's an intention to harm someone, even if it yeah. is self-defense. And I, you know, my dad, when I was younger, my dad gave me, a, like, mace. I don't know what the heck happened to it, but honestly, like... Like, I'm also just so short, dude. Like, I'm trying to think about what it would have been like to, like, spray mace at someone who's, like, a foot taller than I am. Um, it would all rain back down on you. I mean, so that's just the thing. And I, I um, you know, that's also why, like, when I was in my early 20s, you know, when I went to a club in Chicago, they purposely, like, the club confiscated it from me. I had to get it later, but they purposely confiscated it because they're like, oh, no, you know, we can't, like, even if it were self-defense, they just knew how much it could, like, really mm -hmm. cause trouble in that club. Um, and, and, oh, and, of course, it was a night that it was the night specifically geared toward Black pe people. Like, I was there because a friend invited me to her birthday party there. Um, That's interesting about the mace thing, though, because in Tennessee, and I think here in New Hampshire, too, I, I'm pretty positive here in New Hampshire, you can walk right on into a bar with a gun. The bar has the, the right to say no gun, but you can walk in with a gun. You can literally have yep. a gun on your hip when you walk into a bar, and where you were going to go dancing, they were worried about your mace, 
which is a whole lot less harmful than a gun. But you know what's interesting? Because actually I didn't, when I was talking about this, I didn't exactly have the dynamics of that encounter in mind. But yeah, like I, I knew I was going to go to a friend's birthday party. I knew it was going to be at some, some club in downtown, but I didn't realize, like, in retrospect, I think I should have known just knowing my friend because she is a black woman. And I know that I knew the types of places she would go. And so, like, it didn't occur to me, like, to... Had you taken Mace to other bars before? Yes. So here's the thing. Oh. So this is what I was going to say, is that I was, like, annoyed that it was taken from me because obviously it was given to me by my dad for other reasons. But then my, one of my friends who was in the group that night, this, you know, this would have been back in maybe, say, like 2007 or so yeah it would have been I think 2007 um she she was saying I I think she felt bad for me so she wanted like offered to come up come with me to go talk to the bouncer and to explain to just explain my situation and then he did give me back the mace and he said oh you know by the way like I like I will give this back to you but it's because I understand that you didn't know where you were coming tonight. And I said, you know, what do you mean? He's like, you, he's like, you didn't know that this was a night that like, he, I can't remember what he said verbatim, but he yeah. knew that this was a night that was like mainly geared toward black people. And that I was like one of like three Asians he had seen come to the bar on this night, like in the whole time, I don't know how long he was working there and the whole time he was working. And he's like, Oh yeah, even with one of the other Asian guys though, he knew someone here. So he was pretty much saying like that, Oh, he's going to give it back to me because I didn't know. And Oh, and he also just wanted to tell me how fine he thought I was la la la. But, but yeah, because he knew that, you know, as someone who's not black, like I didn't realize that something like that would be that's, confiscated from me. Yeah, that that's a so a, that is a situation in which mace is considered not permitted to be had, and you're going to be searched for it and confiscated. But you can go into different bars, and even if they find it, they won't do anything. So it's just. But the truth is, is that like you know he point like he was also like stating this too is that you know, it's on this particular night, right? So if I had gone to that bar on another night where it w might not have been uh -oh. specifically targeted for black people, It gets the plot even thicker. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, no one would have checked my purse the same way. Does that make sense? Because this was like a bar oh, in downtown Chicago where maybe people would go there, you know, people would go there like for like maybe their their lunch or their scrutinize the security when their clientele is includes more people of color or specifically and i'm not new to this you know when and again I'm, not people of color black people you were saying yeah well actually you know i don't know if they had a i don't know if they had a latin night or anything but i know for this specific night that's the yeah. way they operated. But that's also not new to me because even if I go back to college, you know, and this was like early 2000s, um, when we had, like, when there was an event at the student union and say it was geared toward like the black and Latino fraternities, sororities, all that yeah. stuff, that's when I would go in through metal detectors. That's when like I have to take off my jacket. But hey, when I went there for a predominantly white Christian women's like dinner, then I just was able to go in 
with nothing. I mean, or, or like go in without being, when I say with nothing, without being like screened. And so, and look, you know, I don't know. Did it turn the, into a dance party or was it just a dinner? Because at dinner. my college, it was a dinner and if there was, if there was any dancing, there was a, there was a metal detector. Because I, I, I know people who worked for the security. And so it was like, if it's designated as a dance party, they have to have a metal detector. With so, so how do I say mm. this? Like, it wasn't specific. Like, but see, I think it's also kind of interesting. Like, cause so it wasn't specific just to the student union, but I know that also happened in general at the yeah. university. Again, I don't know what it's like now. God, I hope it is different, like almost two decades later. Um, and, but also it's interesting how certain things could get coded a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, especially with certain cultures, like dance could be an important part, right? But like, hey, let me put it this way. When I went to... Um, the student union back in the day, um, and there was like, you know, dance might have been a component. I don't necessarily remember having to get, you know, take off my jacket, like a, my purse, get checked. A Bollywood party or something. And, and, and yeah, trust me, I, um, no, it, it was like, trust me, from back in the day, I mean, it was pretty obvious what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, so it's interesting how people find policies that um, oh, yeah. that don't have to be explicitly about race, but like find things that are per that that like could be more more um like in closer proximity to like to address to like uh target certain cultures races like to be inclusive or exclusive. This yeah. this is where marketing to me is a really fascinating social science when you're looking at, for example, walking down the hall at a mall, which I don't advise right now because we're in a pandemic. But you know, think back to when you used to go to the mall and you can tell exactly the clientele that each store is targeting based on the music that's being played, the type of clothes people are wearing, the 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 whole atmosphere of the store everything it is letting you know it's a signal are you welcome or are you not welcome there's no sign there's absolutely no sign but you know based on the marketing is my socioeconomic class welcome are people who are like me welcome because of my culture or my background my profession like you know when you're walking through the store who's being marketed to and all of our spaces all of our spaces when we think about them are they cultivating an environment of inclusivity or are they saying are they you know saying you are not welcome so when you're walking through that um metal detector on your way to a social event held by the the like the i don't know committee of, of black fraternities or whatever um that's just one more sign of what this situation is it's a marketing thing it's not exclusive or it's not saying this is a marketing stunt but because of all of these things that we have to go through like you're saying like those are the signals those are the codes those are it's it's very from a social science angle i really enjoy looking at these things and these systems and, and thinking of, okay, why do we do it here, but we don't do it here? Why is it like this here, but it's not like that there? Um, the invisible ways that we, we keep people separate or we ourselves self 
separate. Like, I want to read that book, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting at the Same Table at the Cafeteria, or Sitting Together at the Cafeteria, because I think they talk a lot about that stuff, the the, the subtle codes. Um, but uh, then it fuels where we're at right now in, in history. I think that that, it, it, it's led us to where we are right now. So we need to think about all that stuff. So no, thanks for sharing that. And I also recognize like we're kind of rounding out the hour now. We're, um, you know, it's funny, I, we, I keep calling this lunch with Lindsay, but I'm, aside from drinking water, I'm usually like not eating lunch. Um, I guess, you know, I'll let you say like whatever your, your final thoughts were for today and then I'll close it out. Um, my final thoughts for today. One of the things that I've been doing the last couple of weeks is reaching out to people in my neighborhood, in my community through Facebook. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on the, sorry, I don't know. Did I disappear there? Um, I got a phone call. I've been keeping an eye on our Pelham Facebook group where I live and reaching out to people um, and trying to build some community because I don't, I still, as we've talked about before, I still feel kind of alone up here. So that's kind of what I've been doing as far as trying to figure out how to form a committee like the ones that you're you're um, a part of down in Quincy and stuff like that. So um, creative ways of building community has been what I've been working on right now and also just summer. So I'm trying to do some relaxing. So final thoughts, enjoy summer, enjoy the weather, get outside and, and build community. That's my thing for today, I guess. Yeah. No. <laughs> Build community. Um, really, I, though, it's it's how we start thinking about all of this stuff. This is yeah. how we start breaking down all of those those codes that we're talking about, about the separations, about the, the automatic reactions, all of that stuff. By building community and really getting to know everyone around you, it really does help that. And I think this is where it you know, when I think about my final thoughts for today, I think a lot about, you know, especially with different people in my circles, I know that a lot of you have been, you know, I think about, you know, friends like Jamila, who you've met, like where, you know, people like her are thinking about this all the time, not just yeah. for the professional reasons, but obviously for the personal reasons. And, you know, I really think for people who, for whom this isn't new, like, you know, I hope that you are finding ways to nourish yourself. I mean, I know that there's the term of like self-care, but people equate it a lot to self-indulgence, but it's like, it's self you know, how do you nourish now. yourself? Like, how do you nourish yourself? And, um, yeah, I mean, it's also figuring out, you know, you bring up the point about community building, you know, and it's interesting because I think, you know, I'm someone who's worked or volunteered in different, like, community service type settings and I'm also thinking about what does it mean to, like how do you make like how do you advance equity and anti-racism in ways where it doesn't where it feels like more than an extracurricular activity mm -hmm. um be, like how is it something where it's just who you are and you don't necessarily, you're not someone who, like, how do I, like, so if I'm to speak in I statements, how could I, you know, even though I think I'm in good shape, I mean, everyone could always improve, like, we're all lifelong learners in this area, clearly, mm -hmm. like, how can I not just, 
you know, like, um, think and do like, how can I actually be, be in a way that doesn't have to require a particular occupation, a particular, you know, affiliation with a committee. I mean, yeah, these things help, but mm -hmm. it, it does have to be something more ingrained. And I would even say spiritual that goes like where actions are important, but it's also just like in here. It's so inherent. Yeah. And that's where the community comes in, I think, because it's so important, as you were saying, to nourish yourself and to take care of yourself. And I think by surrounding yourself with people who are engaging in, in, in this work because they're passionate and they truly want a better world because we need a better, a, a better system. But surrounding yourself with others helps you to realize that I can take a little bit of time off for me because I need, I haven't been taking my meds regularly, for example, because I've been so distracted. And consequently, my emotions have been like this because I'm not regulated right now, right? Yeah. And it's because all of a sudden I fell into the hole and was like, I need to do all the things right now. And when I am engaging in these conversations with you and with my other friends, I'm like, okay, so we're all raising consciousness. Like even like my, my extended family, we're having these conversations now. And I'm like, okay, so I can take a deep breath because the community's doing the work too. It's not just me. And we're all in this together because we all want to be better, you know? So I think it comes back to community when you want to live it. It's, having that proof that everyone around you is is doing the work too is really helpful yeah I mean and I would also just say um yeah for me it's not just how do I think what do I do like how do I actually want to be in this world and I, I think also for people out there I know like I have some of these friends in my circles where they are in situations where they're isolated not even like like it might you know and this will be like my final final thing is where yeah. you know for people especially out there who are isolated because of maybe the physical and social distancing um you know i really do hope that you are finding ways to connect with others whether it's one person or 10 or 20 um because i i do know that between the public health concerns um by that i mean both covid and racism this can be very very much an isolating time and i hope that you know, you are able to find someone to have these meaningful, candid conversations with. And I really hope you have that today, this weekend and beyond. Take care. Bye-bye.